Welcome to How My Parents Raised Me, I'm Dawn Chitty. When we are born, we arrive here as pure and perfect souls and the direction our life takes from that moment is deeply connected to what our parents bring to our lives. And what our parents bring to our lives is deeply connected to what their parents brought to their lives. And that's the cycle of families. I have always craved connection with real and raw stories to understand what makes you, you. What makes you the absolutely unique human that you are. Stories are medicine for the soul. They can connect us and they can change the world. And so in this podcast, I'm listening to beautiful souls sharing their story. What happened to them, how they got through and how they have healed and thrived despite everything to arrive right here in this moment. Content warning, if you are triggered by the themes of this podcast, please seek a helpline in your city. Hello, my beautiful friends, and welcome back to the podcast. In days gone by, smacking a child was part of life. If kids did something wrong, it seemed the only way known to correct that behavior was to hit them, to use force, to punish, control. In other words, it was about making them do what we said rather than nurturing them as humans. We now understand the deep psychological wounding that happens when kids are physically abused, but the message isn't getting through to everyone. And personally, I would love to see the word punish removed from the way we bring up our kids because kids are kids. They're growing and they're slowly forming into fully fledged humans, but they're not there yet. They're learning how to be in the world and they don't need to be punished. They need to be taught, heard, understood, accepted, loved, cherished, And so this week, I want to read to you something a listener of the podcast has written to share with you about the effects of her childhood spankings on her entire life. As I expand and grow this podcast, I would love to hear from more of you with your stories and what you want the world to know about what happened to you growing up. I can't promise to include all of them on the podcast, but I will do my best to share what you send me in some way. You can email me at bigloveproject at iinet.net.au with your stories. The address is in the show notes. This story comes from Leanne Summerfield and what she shares is extremely important. She says, my little brother and I were adopted children. Everyone involved believed that we were very lucky and our futures were filled with great possibilities. Our adoptive parents certainly had the best of intentions. Unfortunately, as particularly old school Southern Baptists, they believed some strange things about infants and children. No sooner were we crawling around in our diapers than we began to experience the corrections or punishment called spankings. Our parents thought that babies had all sorts of malicious motivations and willful natures that had to be subdued. They also believed they were teaching the very important word, no. 
These generational beliefs trace back to early Christianity when King James had the Old Testament poorly translated without any input from Hebrew people. Interestingly, the most primitive society known to exist on earth does not hit children. Their children are treated with the same rights as all of their society members. That society does not experience what we think of as normal teenage angst and rebellion. Our first spankings were done in a strangely calm and deliberate manner. Our parents thought we'd understand our misdeeds, but we didn't. They also thought that these early childhood events would be forgotten, but they were not. What we did learn was to feel afraid of our parents. We needed to trust them so badly. We wished we could run to one of them in times of confusion, but we could not. We learned that if we felt badly, we'd better keep such feelings to ourselves. By the time we were toddlers, we were mistrustful and frustrated. We even kept quiet when we were very sick. And obviously, I remember everything. As my brother and I approached our pre-teen years, we showed signs of severe stress. My brother had nervous hives and I had trichotillomania. Pulling out my hair gave me just the right amount of pain to take me away from my misery. I also had a bout with spastic colitis. Sadly, the cause-effect connection was missed. Normal childhood misbehaviours were seen as rebellious and unresponsive to previous methods of punishment. I think my brother suffered from a learning disability, perhaps ADHD. His poor grades were seen as disrespect and laziness. So our father introduced his belt to the spankings. This escalation is common since spankings, even though painful, are known to be largely ineffective. My father became devoted to James Dobson's focus on the family, which incited him to greater determination and harsher efforts to discipline his wayward son. The years of dread and broken trust took their toll and eventually my brother did become rebellious. By my early teens, I had finally been spared physical discipline since I was able to bring home excellent school grades. My father turned his anger keenly to my brother. But I still had to live in the explosive home and observe the suffering so that I experienced a new form of trauma, survivor guilt. Also, the early spankings had even caused me to have a premature sexual awakening and deviance, something that is known amongst therapists but rarely spoken of in our society. I was struggling with confusion and guilt related to all of that. Both my brother and I were losing our mental health. We children had a disenfranchised need for understanding and validation, which did not exist in the 1960s and 70s. Even today in some places, child raising is still behavioristic, as if it is bad dog training. The concept of respecting a child's mind is completely foreign to many parents. Eventually, my father called the police, claiming that my brother was a drug-dealing runaway. These things were untrue, but Dad thought that a stint in juvie might straighten him out. I also got the feeling that dad at this point despised my brother so much that he could not stand to have him under his roof. My father was taken at his word and my brother's protestations fell on deaf ears. The authorities in our world agreed that my brother was the problem 
person, the individual who was destroying our whole family. But at last, my brother finally met one human being who seemed to understand the truth. And that was his court-appointed psychologist. This man advised the judge to emancipate my brother, just turning 16. He never had to come home again. But the suffering of abused children never ends. Our issues limited our job and career paths. I would have no children. My brother had three. Our parents remained judgmental, disapproving and unwilling to educate themselves. Dad never overcame his bad temper. The family relationships were superficial and shallow. Contact was unpleasant and therefore infrequent. Our childhood treatment and its effects on our lives was never addressed as it deserved to be. Our parents were not interested. That much was clear. I feel that my brother and I did our best, but visiting our parents required an effort that felt dishonest and was exhausting. I can remember how happy I always was to get back home, knowing that another visit would not be expected for months. As our parents got older, my brother cared for them because he was geographically much closer. However, this came from a sense of obligation and social conscience, nothing more. Even the grandchildren did not feel loved or accepted by their grandparents. They did not enjoy contact with them and tried to beg out of spending time with them. Our parents began to feel and regret the lack of closeness in our family. At the end of his life, Dad seemed to be making attempts at apologies. However, he had no patience and expected immediate reconciliation based on nothing but some ambiguous words. My brother and I did watch him closely, hoping that we would see consistency and change. We were hopeful and eager to forgive, but Dad remained explosive and unpredictable. He resembled a wife beater who brings flowers after each attack, only to repeat violent behaviour. And so our family never did get to have a cinema quality group hug type of reconciliation. There was no happy ending for us. Even in the last moments of life, my father was throwing a tantrum and wanted to disown me. I'm not clear on why, aside from my inability to be with him as often as my brother could. Maybe I was a handy target since I'd given them no grandchildren. But in the years after my father's death, my brother shared something with me that at least part of the time, dad knew and regretted his losses. He'd lost his family which had been the whole point and reason for everything in his mind. My family is what it was all for, Dad had said. My brother told me about one visit in which my father was in tears saying, it was all for my family, for you. My brother felt particularly sorry for him on this day since Dad was obviously his own victim, a victim of his own bad choices about how to treat children his dream of a close family had been destroyed by his own hands. How sad this all is. I no longer believe in any kind of awareness or life after death, but if there was such a thing, I have no doubt that Dad would be proud of me now. He'd be right beside me, speaking and writing and saying to the world, please do not make my mistakes. Please do not choose and do what I did to my family. And my poor, miserable mother, if only... There was another chance at life. If she could have seen down the years what would become of us all, she would have made different choices too. 
if only there was another life. But as is most often the case, it is too late. For you, the listener of this story, maybe it does not have to be too late. Just as it took generations to create harm, it will take generations to heal it. But maybe for some, these words could be the impetus for change in your family. Because by the time there is regret, you've done the harm. No matter how many stories you may read about resilience and reconciliation, there is no substitute for prevention. Thank you so much, Leanne, for sharing your experiences with us. It's so valuable to hear the effects of physical abuse on a child and on the adult version of that child. Because it doesn't stop when a child becomes an adult. And that is so clear. What's also so clear is how sad it is when you see the regret from Leanne's father about the interactions and the relationships within his own family. It's, it's incredibly sad because it's too late. If you have a story to share, the email address is in the show notes and I look forward to hearing from you. I'll catch you next week. Thank you for being on this journey of healing and community with me. If you listen on Apple, I would love it if you could take a moment to post a review for the podcast. It would mean a lot. Check the show notes for all links recommended in this episode. If you're on Instagram, follow me at my big love project and please share this episode with someone you know needs to hear it. Thank you for joining me. You are such an incredible soul because you are you. You are unique. Your journey is unique and you can absolutely change the world with your story. Your time is precious and I so appreciate you being here. Thanks for joining me. I'll catch you next week.